Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Motor Mouth podcast as we count down to the Insurance Post Motor and Mobility event on the 15th of June at Mercedes Benz World. My name is Jonathan Swift, the Content Director at Insurance Post, and today I'll be discussing one of the hot topics on the conference agenda electric vehicles. Joining me to do this, I'm delighted to welcome my guests, Richard Billiard, Chief Technical Officer at Factual Research, and Chris Moore, Head of iBot Apollo Syndicate. Welcome to Motormouth, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. So if I can come to you first of all, Richard, can I ask, what is the take-up of electric vehicles in the UK and how does this compare to numbers globally? Um, certainly, the number of EVs uh, in the UK has increased hugely uh, in the last uh, in the last sort of couple of years, and particularly um, in the last few months, in fact. Um, and I think that would be borne out to, to what you see on the road. So in March, um, there were the highest number of, of battery electric vehicles, so pure electric vehicles registered in the UK, um, uh, which was up 78 percent um, from from the previous year. Um, and in fact, more cars, more BEVs were registered in March than there were, um, than there were in the whole of 2019. So we're seeing um, a huge uptake. And I think that's very much in line with global uptake, certainly in in um, yeah, in in Europe and in the United States. Um, there are kind of pockets of, of difference. Uh, Norway's got a very high uptake due to um, a lot of government incentives and a lot of really great infrastructure, for example. Um, I think what we see in the US is is similar to what we see in the UK. China has got a very high uptake, but it's a kind of slightly different nature. But yeah, I think both in the UK and globally, the, the uptake of, of EVs, whether that's plug-in hybrids um, or whether that's pure battery electric vehicles, um, is increasing rapidly. Chris? Yeah, I think um, in terms of what we're seeing from uh, an insurer's perspective is just a huge increase in demand for insurance solutions linked to electric vehicles. So we're seeing it both on the on the personal side and the commercial side. Um, at iBot, we do a lot in the sharing economy, so lots of on-demand delivery, ride sharing, um, micro-mobility forms of uh, solutions across all, all, all different types of transportation. So we're definitely seeing a huge increase in, in what those exposures look like for those fleets, if you like, in terms of how much their fleet to electric vehicles. It's obviously very much in keeping with some of the ESG commitments that our, our clients are making. So you hear big statements from the Lyfts and Ubers this world in, in the ride-sharing space of how much of their fleet they want to be electric vehicles. So certainly... The adoption, like Richard said, and the, and the demand for these vehicles is is huge, and, and a lot of these companies are putting those commitments. Um, and what is you know clear is that you know electric vehicles need a different type of insurance solution, and lots of brokers and lots of individual consumers and clients are are definitely out searching for those solutions. And and maybe the insurance industry is a little bit behind the curve in terms of the development of those solutions for this for this growing demand. So talking to you, obviously, you both of you have indicated that there is an increase um, in the take up of electric vehicles. But but what do you think might kind of facilitate um, to speed that speed that take up up, um, Chris? It's undeniable that the infrastructure um, is going to be a, a huge challenge. Right. So what we're seeing, certainly in the in the personal side of things, is a lot of people are taking up electric vehicles as maybe a secondary vehicle. Or if they are taking up an electric vehicle as a primary vehicle, it tends to be 
they're really not doing large distances and large journeys. Um, in order to facilitate someone completely committing to an electric vehicle solution, I think there needs to be uh, a more digital solution in terms of, of infrastructure. It needs to be a lot more seamless. It, not, it needs to fill people with confidence that doing a long journey, that there's the facilitation of, of charging stations, et cetera, to, to cater for that and make it you know, less stressful, more seamless. So definitely that's a challenge. Um, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, lots of technological things within these electric vehicles then being so new that, that do make it, um, you know, possible with connected technology, et cetera. So definitely that's one of them. And, 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 you know, dare I say it again, going back to, to insurance, I think an insurance product, um, I think there needs to be a fit for, for purpose product from insurance in order to cater for, for this type of adoption. Um, you know, there's, there's been insurers have been looking at this risk, from both sides of the fence, you have certain people are thinking about, OK, let's look at the individual facets of a, an electric vehicle. So you've got increased acceleration. Um, you've got a reduced sound. You know, I know there's measures being taken to to force electric vehicles to be to be louder, etc. But, you know, in the early days, it's, it's a very, you know, it's a very um, quiet vehicle, so to speak. And does that increase the risk of interactions with pedestrians and cyclists and scooters, etc.? On the other side, you've got, you know, because they're a newer vehicle, they've got some of the most advanced driver assist systems like, you know, automatic braking, lane departure software and all these sort of things that should reduce risk. So there is that challenge for insurers without uh, a huge amount of data linked to electric vehicles that's developed from a loss perspective where you're saying, is an electric vehicle a better or worse risk than a combustion engine? And with that uncertainty, I think many insurers have looked at, well, I'm just going to load prices or, or load the, the premiums that I would gather for an electric vehicle until I have enough data to suggest otherwise. And so all of a sudden, an electric vehicle, when you add in you know, in, you know, that increased cost of insurance, can sometimes be quite an expensive luxury for someone to have. You know, most electric vehicles are not are not cheap and are in high demand which raises prices even further and you know we know full well about the covid supply chain issues that is also delaying the sort of um supply to meet that demand so yeah for me it would be infrastructure and maybe that understanding on some of the financial products linked to it to 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 facilitate that that wider adoption richard yeah i think um chris chris is bang on there and i think um just to pick up on on that uh, cost side of things, yeah. So certainly, uh, the price of um, of the electric vehicles, if you if you can get hold of one, um, with the wider uh, availability issues of, of cars of all types, um, EVs tend to be higher cost. I think uh, we are seeing the cost of raw materials going up to so things like lithium. Um, the the cost of lithium as a commodity is rising rapidly, has risen rapidly, and will likely continue to do so, which will then have a knock-on impact um, further down the line. Um, and then you put that together with, as Chris says, the you know, insurance side of it. Um, so whilst there might be savings from total cost of ownership in terms of servicing, for example, I think that's pretty hidden or, or, or certainly not necessarily um, hugely clear or hugely considered in a purchasing decision. Um, and therefore, that overall kind of total cost um, of, of running an EV, of having an EV, um, probably is beyond um, a fair number of people. I think where we have seen a lot of uptake, and I think one of the things that has driven the uptake until now, um, and will continue to do so, 
um, are things like the, the the incentives. So I know they've reduced the government have reduced the grants associated or available for for purchasing EVs, but the tax um, uh, side of things is um, is still hugely beneficial from particularly from a company car tax point of view. Um, and I, I believe that's driving a lot of the or has driven a lot of the a lot of the uptake. Um, so so I think kind of the first order and, and again I'd agree with Chris around the infrastructure and both the availability the actual availability of the infrastructure the physical number of charging points the um, the rigmarole of having to use those I myself am an, an EV driver um, and uh, and I've got uh, you know, more apps for EVs than anything else on my phone I think just to be able to try and charge <laughs> all the different all the different places and that's not you know, it's not straightforward and it does need to be and can be much more efficient. I think there's also the kind of second order um, side of things, the second order factors, if you like. So things like fuel prices of petrol and diesel, um, you know, obviously electricity is costing more as well. But, um, you know, when fuel prices have gone up so much, does that start to change people's um, you know, uh, thoughts around uh, adopting EVs? And the wider nature of mobility as well, you know, availability of of, of uh, different mobility solutions, whether that's you know um, hiring of vehicles, whether that's things like Lyft and Uber, um, you know, public transport, um, and and again, some of that associated with the SG considerations as well. Um, so all of these things, I think, go into the mix, whether that's a, from a kind of from a business point of view and, and business fleets and that, that sort of thing, or whether it's from a personal purchasing point of view. Um, I, I also think the more uptake we've got, um, the more even some <coughs> part of the conversation um, and the more maybe people just understand the, the advantages and disadvantages and, and, and the different nature of EVs compared with ICE vehicles and are therefore better, better informed to make a choice. Um, and I think we'll see that develop, um, particularly over the coming years. I mean, we've, we've already touched upon, I suppose, the, the insurance aspect. But Richard, what, what new risks and claim scenarios do EV present to insurance companies? I think there are huge um, challenges, potential challenges. I think there's uh, some some of the things that have been talked about recently, which which actually uh, maybe aren't as impactful as as they would appear from from reading the media. For example, are things like EV fires. So actually, we we've done yeah. recently looking at fire risk of EVs, and actually, um, whilst the sample size is particularly um, small still, despite the the rapidly increasing uptake. Um, there's no greater risk around fires, for example, though that the nature of those is very different. What we are seeing and the huge challenge we're seeing is the um, from a claims point of view, the, the impact of, of the battery. So a the, the vulnerability, the cost and then the lack of kind of process of infrastructure as to what to do with that battery is the single biggest challenge we're seeing from a claims point of view for insurers. And we're seeing vehicles in our own workshops here that have got very low mileage, potentially even less than a thousand miles on them, brand new vehicles that have had what looks like um, fairly repairable um, damage. But actually those vehicles are written off because the battery, you know, the state of the battery is not known or there's surface damage and the and the health of the battery can't be guaranteed the insurer can't realize the value of the battery because of limited recycling or repurposing options 
potentially the VM has to take, the vehicle manufacturer has to take that battery away um, and, and doesn't pay the insurer for that. And the insurer has potentially got to stump up the cost of a, of a new battery to put in that vehicle. And that pushes um, pushes it into a, into a write-off, um, into a total loss. <coughs> and whilst there are plenty of other challenges that, that you know, around that I think are much more manageable, the battery is the single biggest issue that we're seeing around claims for, for insurers at the moment. Chris? Yeah, a, a lot to, to cover here on, on, on my side. I think I completely agree with Richard's point on the on the battery overheat and explosion conversation. And to many extents, I, there's often times where I get frustrated that electric vehicles are sometimes, you know, it makes big press headlines. And, and sometimes in a similar vein to sort of autonomous vehicles, where you have this general perception of risk that's completely uh, over-exaggerated versus the actual risk. Um, and I think battery overheating explosions can, can potentially fall into that category, certainly from the, the data that we're starting to see. Uh, and, you know, if we take Elon Musk's words seriously, he's obviously a, a very outspoken person, but, you know, what he says at, at Tesla when he talks about building an insurance company for Tesla his warning message, if you like, or that's certainly how I take it to the insurance industry, is if you don't start, um, you know, truly accepting the the risk management and the the advancements in our technology and how that translates to actual exposure, then we'll insource insurance. And, you know, you better believe he has the capital to do that. And essentially that warning message is if you don't start creating products for electric vehicles that are specific to electric vehicles, then we'll create our own products. And I, and I think that's linked to us over-exaggerating the, the exposures to battery overheating explosion. And, and there are other things that are being discussed around electric vehicles that, again, you know, may materialise into serious risks uh, or, or may not. It's about, you know, understanding the risk control. So we talk about electric vehicles are, are typically going to be connected vehicles because of how new they are. So is there an increased cyber exposure linked to electric vehicles? Is there a cyber exposure linked to the charging stations themselves? Um, we talk about, you know, EMF is a long discussed emerging type risk that we've discussed in insurance. Is that an increased long tail liability risk uh, linked to electric vehicles? And, and then you actually look at the product itself for electric vehicles. And what, we've, what we're so guilty of and as, as an insurance industry is, you know, is ramming you know, um, square pegs into, into round holes. So we typically say, right, electric vehicle, it's still a vehicle, it needs a motor policy, here's a standard motor policy and that will do. Well, there's aspects to electric vehicle that's very different. And if you do that, you may be you know, somewhat caught out as an insurer. So take um, the standard approach to, to motor accessories, right? Motor accessories are typically looking at, you know, stereos and things of that nature and are sublimited to a certain value. But some of these supercharging ultra-fast cables can be, you know, thousands of pounds to buy that accessory. Uh, you know, so have you got a gap in the insurance there? Or if you are given a, a higher sublimit, what's the real risk to, to, to losing or, or having one of those accessories stolen? And then I think it's really interesting when you look at the interaction between, uh, you know, the electric vehicle and, and, and the home and how there could be a crossover between those two policies. So if there was to be a fire or, an, you know, a surcharge in, in current when a vehicle is, is being charged, 
you know, have we as an industry clearly outlined who's responsible? Is that a home loss if there's a home fire caused by an electric charging station fitted by the home? Or is that indeed a motor loss? Um, I think where there was a conversation, you know, six, six, maybe 12 months ago now about what happens if a, you know, a pedestrian trips over a, a charging cable and the vehicle is stationary, is that adequately covered by a motor policy? So I think there are a number of different things and, and, and somewhat time will tell, but certainly we need a bit of an evolution of our, of our process to, to, as, as an underwriter, as an insurer, to make sure that we're, one, adequately covering the risk at hand so the product is fit for purpose, and two, that we're evaluating this risk as it should be. And if you just give me one more minute, I mean, the, the final bit I'd add on this is, I think electric vehicles, for all the reasons that, that Richard um, outlined about because of charging station infrastructure, because of uh, maybe a different consumer dynamic with you know the world of work changing, the world of public transport and how we interact, how we move around our cities. Electric vehicles for me could, could pose a perfect model to embrace a future insurance solution um, based on usage-based insurance and based on telematics. I'm a big believer that the owner of electric vehicle it will create different trends to somebody driving a hybrid or driving a combustion engine vehicle. So you'll see different driving habits, whether that's shorter routes, uh, different types of trips, different times of trips that you would use an electric vehicle for because of the current infrastructure. You can adequately pick up what those different driving trends are through a telematic solution uh, and then create a product fit for purpose for that type of driving behavior. And also, you know, we are very stuck in our ways in terms of motor, motor insurance in the UK where we insure per vehicle uh, or per vehicle month rather as an exposure metric. And I think because of that different way that you utilize uh, an electric vehicle, it seems to me as a great way to look, let's look at a per mile type insurance product because you're unlikely to drive in a similar manner to, to the way you drove a combustion engine vehicle, which is what has derived those, those typical per vehicle rates. So, Chris, if you have got the money and can afford one, and then you can find a supplier that has one, yeah. what are the advantages, disadvantages of owning EVs presently that few people talk about? For me, I think the the environmental impact is obviously a big one. I know that you know you look at consumer behaviour. Certainly, you know the people that I know that have an electric vehicle. Um, a lot of it is is they have a very deep and entrenched sort of duty they feel or responsibility to be as, as green as they possibly can be so they feel like they're doing um you know making the best smart choice uh, as a consumer in terms of the vehicle they use um i think undoubtedly over the long haul if infrastructure is is solved and we continue to have you know see what we're seeing with with fuel prices then it certainly can work out as a, an economically smart decision over the long run um so so there's those benefits um and I think ultimately with the amount of advanced driving assist systems, if the vehicle is driven well, I appreciate it's got the, the, the ability to, to have that increased acceleration, then, you know, then I believe they can be safer vehicles than, than some of the, the older combustion uh, engine vehicles on our roads. And, and sometimes, again, as insurers, we, we don't probably take that into account enough, um, all of that advanced technology that's in the vehicle. So, so I think there's, there's safety, there's environment and hopefully cost benefits. But I do still think there's some challenges that we've got to overcome. And I don't think they're necessarily linked to the vehicle itself. It's more to do with how we, for me personally, how we shape insurance products linked to those and, and how we support the, the wider adoption going forward. Richard. Yeah, I think um, 
picking up on Chris's point, the, the kind of square peg round hole, I think it's quite an interesting kind of theme for, for EVs, whether that's from an insurance point of view or from a wider point of view. And I think it is a real, the real danger here of, of understanding what are the disadvantages and disadvantages of EVs is to is to kind of make the wrong comparison with with normal cars with IC engine vehicles understanding the differences is actually the key to making a decision as to whether an EV is going to suit your lifestyle or suit your business or whatever it is um, and actually things like the, the nature of charging we very much I think people a lot of people see charging and, and range and as as equivalents to petrol and diesel engine cars. How quickly can you fill the tank or charge the vehicle? How much range has it got? Actually, I think the the way that we use um, electric vehicles, charging them at home so that you're kind of ready to go if you are doing a long journey or or something like that, that's yeah, that's a big advantage. You haven't got to kind of worry about going and find a, a petrol station, which you know, based on the last couple of weeks and and some of the events of the last few months, can be pretty challenging um, in itself, unless you like queuing. Um, so you know, there's there's sort of little things like that. Charging on the go, you know, obviously the infrastructure um, is limited still, and it is complicated. But when it does work, it, it works really well. And actually understanding that, you know, sh- you know, little and often. Is, is probably a better approach than than expecting to kind of fill a vehicle with charge for a 600 mile uh, or you know up to sort of 600 miles or, or, or whatever it is or a thousand kilometers um it's not necessarily the the way to go and so you've then got to uh kind of compare that structure with and and, and that frame with with how the journeys that you do the living situation you're in the business that you're running and work out whether that works for you or not. And yes, absolutely part of that has got to be, is going to be primarily around the cost, both the cost of the vehicle, the availability, the the, um, the wider total cost, the environmental benefits, there's the performance, there's the, um, you know, there's all the different factors that we put into buying vehicles. Um, but I think it's, it's almost less about advantages and disadvantages of EVs and more just, the understanding they are very different from IC engine vehicles, even though they might look the same. How does that suit me? How does that suit my business? And the more clarity that we can provide specifically from an insurance point of view, but as part of that wider picture um, that, that, that you know, the whole industry and, and, and government and society have, have got um, a part to play in as well, I think the better people can make those decisions and that will really help drive the uptake appropriately and, and smooth and smooth that adoption curve out. Well, Richard and Chris, thank you very much for your time. Not at all. No, pleasure. Thank you. I'd just like to remind people to sign up for the uh, Motor and Mobility event on the 15th of June at Mercedes-Benz World and to watch out for future episodes of the Motor Mouth podcast. But until then, it's goodbye for me. Cheerio, everybody. Mm-hmm.